Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Thank you all for being here, and I want to give a special shout out to those of you who are wearing your Christmas finery. This is the fourth Sunday of the Advent season, and the theme for the fourth Sunday is joy. So I put on my best glad rags because I wanted to be joyous today. And uh, we're going to light the fourth Advent candle, which symbolizes the divine idea of joy. So um, in the Gospel of John, the author has Jesus to say, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Joy has multiple ways of being experienced and expressed, right? There's the exuberant, yay, hallelujah, joy that we often feel when something really fantastic happens, like when we win the lottery or when we get the new puppy and that sort of stuff. And there's also a a very interior aspect of joy, a very deep and profound sense of joy that we also experience when we just feel a sort of bliss, and both can be parts of the Advent season. So today, prior to lighting the fourth candle for the divine idea of joy, I'm going to prevent the making of an untoward minister by blowing out the other candles. Uh, Memory, not minister. I've made an untoward minister. You can see that. Thanks, Mom and Dad. They helped. Uh, So so I'm going to blow out the other candles because these things are going to melt and start a fire, and that's the last thing that we want as a Christmas memory. So anyway, here we go. We're going to light the candle for joy. Fourth candle of the Advent season. And and create a safer environment for the rest of us in the process. (laughs) Except for the smoke. Okay, everything has a cost, doesn't it? So did anybody mail any Christmas packages this year? Anybody make the, the, you know, there's some things you just can't do online. Sometimes you have to go to the post office. Well, I did. And so I got in line with about 85 of my closest friends, all of whom had multiple packages to ship overseas without proper documentation, you know, as you do, (laughs) last minute at the holidays. And so I'm waiting in line, waiting in line, waiting in line. And then I got up to the line, and there was the lady in front of me, and she was speaking to the the postal clerk, who must have had the patience of a saint. So I'm just going to affirm that. So anyway, and and she said, well, I, I would like to get some Christmas stamps. And he said to her, in what denomination would you like those stamps? And because I'd noticed people had been buying stamps like a $3 stamp or $2 stamp or forever stamp. So she, he, the clerk said, in what denomination would you like your stamps? And she goes, oh my God, has it come to this? All right, I'm going to get eight Methodists, nine Baptists, 10 Lutherans. <laughs> I'm here all week. So Merry Christmas, everybody. 
It seemed like an appropriate Christmas joy joke. We want to have a joy. And in the music that we've shared already this morning, we've been focusing on the divine idea of joy. And in the gospel, as you are aware, in the Bible, there are two versions of the birth story of Jesus, one from Luke and the other from Matthew. Now, in tonight's Christmas Eve candlelight service, we're going to focus on the story from Matthew. And in this morning, we want to focus on the story from the book of Luke, and I've asked Prayer Chaplain and Unity Fairfax board member, Reverend Sherry Quander, to share with us the story of the birth of Jesus from the book of Luke. Good morning and Merry Christmas, all. <laughs> In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone to their own, went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from town from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothing and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, no, don't, no, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothing and lying in a manger. S suddenly then a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning that what had been told them about this child and all who heard it 
were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, joy, uh, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Thank you, Reverend Sherry. For years, I've read this story, and something has not sat right with me about it. And I was finally able to put my finger on it this year. And that's the juxtaposition of joy and terror. Now, think about it. The story says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them which sounds like a pretty cool thing. If you ask me, it's like, wow, that seems pretty much like, yay, rock on. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for I'm bringing you news that will be of great joy. Terror and joy in the same sentence. Well, from a scholarly point of view, scholars point out that the fact that it might be pretty terrifying just to see an angel in the first place. Uh, some folks have more experience with this sort of thing than others. But if this is not your normal everyday experience, it might be kind of shocking to see. And besides, what does an angel look like anyway? You might have an angel uh, image in your mind, maybe from the classical paintings, a beautiful figure, never with an ounce of extra fat uh, and wings and looking very beautiful and, and all that, unless it's a little cherub. Uh, but the text doesn't say what this angel looked like. And I imagine it's kind of like that experience of seeing somebody you haven't seen in a long time. They just kind of show up. It's like, like those TikTok videos of the service personnel who come home and surprise their families. Like, whoa! You know, they're kind of, you know, there's just this reaction, right? Or, um, or maybe seeing somebody out of place. You know, like for me, inevitably, if I see anybody from church out in public, I always say good morning because it's always Sunday morning whenever we connect. So, so I have to like, no, it's, it's actually Saturday night and we are not, this is such not the church setting. So, so we don't really know what an angel looks like, but they do know Again, scholarly studies, there's over 250 references to angels in the Hebrew scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And some of the angels um, have, there's no consistency in what they look like. And some of them, they have two wings, and some of them, they, they, like the seraphim, have, uh, are described as having six wings. Cherubs are usually described as having four wings. So, you know, we got, we got a whole wing thing going on we need to figure out. And sometimes angels are even recognized at all. But I will tell you, in my own experience, the angels that I have most uh, connection with inevitably have four legs, a tail, and a wet nose. Those are my favorite sort of angels. Because angels bring messages. And that particular form of angel brings unconditional love. It touches my heart. So sometimes angels show up in a recognizable way. Uh, as the Bible says in Hebrews, for instance, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Uh, 
And there are instances where you may be in the presence of angels and not even know it because they appear simply as human beings. We see countless examples of this in the Bible. And when the angel announced the virgin birth to Mary, that particular angel appeared in a recognizable way in both the accounts in the account given in Luke. And this is also the case of the angel who appeared to the multitude. Somehow the, the shepherds recognized, oh, that's an angel. We know what that is. And it's like, okay, it didn't seem to be a problem. And in another way, angels show up in the scriptures and maybe in your life as well, are through visions and dreams. This was the case for Ezekiel and John's visitation of angels in Revelation. If you uh, want to check it out, go read it. It's great reading. Uh, and these are distinctive from dreams because Joseph, father of Jesus, was warned by angels in dreams how to care and protect uh, his family from the murderous King Herod. But for us metaphysically, and how we look at angels in our way in unity, is that they are messengers from the divine. And these divine messengers can be experienced and expressed as divine ideas, inspirations, and my favorite, thoughts that come to us from out of the blue. You ever had an out of the blue idea it just kind of came to you? There was a divine visitation, something implanted in you. It's like, where did that come from? Yes, that's one way to look at angels. And yes, sometimes, regardless of how some sort of a message comes to you that you know is important, sometimes it's at once frightening and wonderful. Let me explain a little bit. Have you ever had the experience of hearing something or seeing something and found yourself feeling afraid to believe it was true? Or have you been afraid to believe it? Or have you said, this can't really be happening, is it? Anybody have an experience like that? It, just, it was kind of scary and wonderful at the same time. And it's like, it's kind of like, in a sense, getting on a roller coaster. It's like, this is terrifying. Oh, my God, I love this. This is terrifying. Oh, my God, I love this. It's like kind of like that. You know, you can have those two experiences at the same time. In this story... The thing that was so terrifying and so wonderful was this concept, this idea, the birth of the Savior. Now, in a traditional Christian teaching, that Savior is interpreted to be Jesus, whose ultimate death takes away individual and collective sin. In our unity and new thought teaching, we put a, a different interpretation on that. And that is this, that the idea of Savior is interpreted to mean the awakening in consciousness of the Christ, Christ within. Also meaning to experience oneness with all that God is. And the awareness that I am and you are and everybody else is inherently good. That's pretty awesome. And so what brought both joy and fear then to the shepherds often brings joy and fear to people who come into a center like Unity or in some of our other New Thought communities of faith. 
because we get this good tidings of great joy that, that within you and in the world is inherent goodness, and you are inherently good, and I'm inherently good, and this is a pretty awesome thing. It's like, hallelujah, that is liberating. That allows me to break free from the shackles and the chains. I am less than, not good enough, don't deserve, blah, 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 blah. You've heard all that before. Now, the terrifying part of all that is, what do I do now? How much responsibility do I have for co-creating the life that I want to live? I just can't blame everybody for what's happened in my life, what's going on, because I now realize I'm empowered to do something about it. And that means I have to get off my metaphorical couch and do the work. Anybody who's gone through a 12-step program has had to do the work. Anybody who's gone through an education program, program has had to do the work. Anybody who has ever wanted to change any condition in their life had to do the work and in some level had to believe I'm worth it. And it's not just about me. It's about us. But something that is really beautiful to me in the story is that the shepherds heard this story, heard this great news, this terrifying news, this wonderful news, all together at one time. And to me, I look at this story and I say, yes, all for one and one for all. And yes, we are all in this together. And if I want this great news of good of peace on earth and goodwill towards all to become a manifest reality, I have to do something about that. I am contributing to that. Somehow, some way, my own unique, individualized way, I am a contributor to the good of all. Wow. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Throwing that in for good measure. But we don't often use this saying, this word, Savior and unity, a whole lot, because it, it does have a very freighted connotation. But that's what it is. This consciousness is about empowerment to imbue ourselves and our world as inherently good, despite appearances. Let me tell you, good people will do bad things. Bad people will be do, do bad things. All of that, it's always happened in the history of humanity. Probably not, isn't going to stop, but it isn't an excuse for us to stop. It is simply a call for us to remember who we are and contribute and not sell ourselves short. And yes, it's not always easy, but it is doable, and people have been doing it for generations. This knowing of this divine idea of Savior in Christmas empowers us to look at the stories told about Jesus and recognize that's an example. That is not an exception. That's an example of what I can do and what I've been born to do. Now, maybe the miracles that I do don't look like walking on water, but they will take my own unique individualized form. And so will yours. And they are every bit as important and priceless. It empowers us to realize that there are angels all among us, all around us, two-legged or four-legged, 
or however many legs. They could be an octopus angel. It's got eight legs. Or those are arms. I don't know. I don't, let's, let's not get into it. Dad. You know the point. Angels all around us showing up either in the form of people we know are complete strangers, offering wisdom and courage and demonstrating what love looks like. And it also makes us realize that maybe to someone, especially the face in the mirror, I'm an angel. That's why when we do random acts of kindness or my favorite, very intentional acts of kindness on a consistent basis, we are living that angel consciousness. We are demonstrating what it means to live peace on earth, goodwill towards all. Everybody can do something. And who knows? I bet all of us can tell a story about a complete stranger who helped us or said something at the right time in the right way that left an indelible mark. And you can say, I have been blessed. This supernatural experience was actually completely natural. And these things happen every day. And yes, all of this might be terrifying if we've had to, if we have to unlearn some things about ourselves. Maybe some of us were indoctrinated to believe that we are inherently bad. Well, you got to let that go. Or maybe we weren't indoctrinated with that. We just read the newspaper far too often and thought, there's nothing I can do about this. Let it go. If you're breathing, and you're thinking, and you're praying, and you're speaking, and you're acting, you're doing something about this. And it matters, and it's important, and it is making a difference. I first entered a Unity Church in November of 1989. I had uh, graduated from college and moved to Wilmington, North Carolina, a thousand miles away from home, away from really anybody I knew. I had just somehow, by a fluke, also known as Kismet and a divine appointment, landed in a job there at a wonderful place that I hated for the first two years. But in that, well, that's a different talk for a different day. But in that time, a friend took me to Unity, and I remember my first Christmas. Because for, in that center, because for me, basically Christmas was a secular holiday. And it's lovely, and, but I, I got involved. And I heard my minister tell about this idea of honoring the birth of Jesus in the world and recognizing that birth of, and rebirth of Christ consciousness in us and having this holiday be for us a reminder of who we all truly are, our goodness, our oneness, our capacity to be peacemakers and healers in the world. And I sat there and I thought, and I'm sure I was drooling because I hadn't really heard that before. And I was welcomed into a community that saw that for me. A young man who was frightened and trying to begin to make his way in the world and figure out who I am and how the world works and all that. And I was terrified and overjoyed at the same time. I also realized I was home. So I remember sending him a Christmas card 
and writing in there about how truly profound it was for me to understand that this idea of Christ was born in the stable of my heart and that the love that God is included me 100% and that I could be a vessel and share that love with others, that I could be saved from my error thinking about myself, about the world. Well, clearly it made an impact. Here I am, <laughs> unity minister wearing a silly suit on Christmas Eve. But I sent him a note, and protecting my identity, he read it in Sunday service. And I thought to myself, I've been seen, and I matter. Whenever we'd go back to Wilmington, I'd always visit with Reverend Renee. And uh, this summer, he made his transition. And it was a complete honor uh, to be invited to officiate his celebration of life. And I can say beyond the shadow of a doubt that the angel who told me about the good news for all the world had human form. So I dedicate this service and this message today to my spiritual teacher, Reverend Rene Perret, an angel who still speaks to me in the stable of my heart. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.